0: Isaiah chapter fifty, Ezekiel chapter three, First Peter chapter five. Isaiah chapter fifty in verse seven says, For the Lord God will help me. That's good. Therefore, that's in light of the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I shall not be confounded. I mean, he's ever been confounded. Me and Andrea and Matt have been confounded. That's at wit's end. Don't know what else to do. Don't know where to turn. Don't know the next decision to make. Paralyzed with the situation. I've been confounded. Have you? For the Lord God will help me, therefore I shall, will not be confounded. Therefore, well, that's in light of I will not be confounded because the Lord has helped me. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I will know. That I shall not be ashamed. That word ashamed there means I will not be disappointed. Let's read it all again. For the Lord God will help me, therefore I shall not be confounded. Therefore I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be disappointed. Now, just before anybody gets ahead of me, I want you to understand that this is a messianic prophecy. If you back up, you're going to read about recognizing things about happening to Jesus. The Lord God has opened my, opened my ear, and, and I was not rebellious, neither turned my back. I gave my back to the smiters, and my cheeks to those who plucked my hair, and hid not my face from the shame of the spitting. Talking about prophetic Utterance about the coming Messiah. So, the, so the, the verse is about, in light of all that it has to have, Jesus has set his face like a flint to go to the cross. I know what's coming. I know what I'm going to go through. I know what it's going to take. But the Lord's going to help me. And I'll not be confounded. Therefore, i set my face like a flint. Ezekiel chapter 3. I'm going to read the first six verses very quickly getting to verse 7. Are you ready? Moreover, he, God, said to me, Ezekiel, Son of man, eat that you find. Eat this roll or scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat the scroll. And he said to me, Son of man, cause your belly to eat, and fill your bowels with this roll that I give you. Then I did eat, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. What God is saying here is about his word, to devour his word. Ezekiel is not literally eating parchment and rolls of paper. He is saying, take my words and ingest them. Get them in you. Make them part of you from from beginning to end. He says, now take and eat the scroll. And Ezekiel said, I found the scroll as honey. Come on, church. When you find the word as sweet as honey, it'll change your life. If it's bitter to you, it'll cause you to rebel. It'll be a stumbling block. It will be an offense. But he found the word as as sweet as honey. For you are not sent to a people of strange speech and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel. He's saying, I'm not sending you people to people that you don't know. I'm sending you to the people that you do know. I'm sending you to your own people. Are you with me? Not too many people of a strange speech and of a hard language whose words that you cannot understand. Surely I have sent you to them that they would hearken to you. But the house of Israel... Will not hearken to you, for they will not hearken to me. For all of the house of Israel is impotent and hard hearted. Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces. It means I've made your face as hard as their face. And I've made your forehead strong or as hard as their forehead. My, my daddy used to say I was hard headed. Has anybody been accused of that? I don't know if there's any way to meet a hard head except with a hard head. Y'all are nervous. As an adamant, that's a diamond. It's harder than flint. Have I made your forehead? (laughs) Fear them not. Neither be dismayed by their looks. Boy, I understand that. Though they be a rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, all of my words that I speak to you, receive in your heart, and hear with your ears, and go, get you to them of the captivity, to the children of your people, and speak to them. Oh, let me read that again. And go and let them, and let you to them of the captivity to the children of your people. And speak to them, and tell them, "Thus says the Lord God, whether they, whether they will hear, or whether they will forbear." He says, "Get the word in you, prophet. I'm sending you to your own. They're not foreigners; they're yours." He Said, "I'm sending you to speak." I said, "They're hard-headed. I'm making you hard-headed." <laughs> they're, they're stubborn I'm giving you a divine stubbornness I'll make your face harder than the flint now go speak to the children of the speak to the children of the captivity and say all that I have said whether they hear you or whether they do not I've been thinking on it all week. I have set my face like a flint. Mag Church is at a critical juncture. All of it. Now, we're not at an unusual juncture, we're not at a a unique juncture. I've talked to many a superintendent, many a presbyter, many a pastor. Talked to many about the, And they will all tell you, it's, it's just written in stone, that churches hit a wall at about 150. And if you make it past that, the next one's at about 300. And if you make it past that, then the next one is at about 500. We don't have to worry about the latter two right now. We're at the first one. And what happens is, as you can grow and you can develop up to a point on personality, maybe, on talent, maybe, on, on organization, maybe, but you come to a point when you have more people than one person or a few can direct, that, it more, that more than one person can organize, More than one person can lead unless you hit a spiritual breakthrough that takes you past it. Are you with me? And that's where we're at. I've always uh, been, from day one, I have been frank. I've communicated with the church, good and bad, where we're at. This is where we're at. This includes Sunday morning service. Wednesday night youth and children's programs. It includes Sunday school. It includes the gym, before and after service. It includes Mad Christian Academy. All of it. Everything that flies under the umbrella of Mauriceville Assembly of God is at a critical juncture. We've seen some great things, yes? Yes? Aren't you glad we've grown? It's okay to say, oh man, I'm not going to attack you, I promise. But there are some things I'll start out by saying so to relieve your mind. I've already said, it, it's about the youth department. It's about in here. It's about Wednesday night. It's about Wednesday night dinner. It's about Sunday morning breakfast. It's about the gym. It's about youth. It's about, it's about rainbows. It's about Royal Rangers. It's about girls club. It's about the school. They're all part of this church, every one of them. Not, none of them independent of the other it's about all of it so when i begin to preach here in just a moment so just to relieve your mind are you say? or if you start wondering is he talking to me the answer is probably yes that'll relieve your mind you don't have to wonder Now, I've always been kind of funny about that because there are some things that's kind of interesting, so we'll go ahead and say that. It's amazing what people hear that were never said. What they get mad about that was never said. Most of the things that people get mad about that they actually call me about was never said. Or they read between the lines when there was no need to read between the lines. That's what happens Now, of course, I realize I'm an unusual creature because people don't really know what to do with the guy anymore that says what he means and means what he says and that you don't have to read between the lines. So no need to read between the lines today, okay? If you're wondering if it's you, it probably is. I'll say a little more about that because I think it needs to be said. It needs to be said. We've had a crazy idea in the church world, far and wide, that preachers should not preach about things that are going on in front of them. Really, they, they you know, they, I know about this problem, I know about that problem, heaven forbid you preach on it because they say, well, you're preaching to me. Well, I, that, I think that kind of odd. It's not scriptural at all. Now of course you shouldn't personally target somebody and have and use that you don't use the pulpit as a weapon. That's that's wrong. That's unethical. It's not a place to settle personal scores. Ever. But it is a place of teaching, it is a place of doctrine, it is a place of correction, it is a place of reproof, it is a place of rebuke, it is a place of exhortation. It's all of those. And if we went, and if Paul had followed the model of today where we don't address our church's problems, we would have no epistles. Do you realize that every epistle Paul wrote was a direct reaction, confrontation, and correction with exhortation to a specific problem in that body? Do we know that? I'm just laying groundwork, you know, right? Now, I'm not coming to fix and take anybody's head off, but I'm fixing to preach. Fixing to preach. The only way we can be what we've been called to be is to be scriptural and to be teachable and to be excellent. I preached on excellence here before. I'm about to preach on excellence again today. How many of you have ever went back to a restaurant because it was excellent? The rest of you just like McDonald's, I guess. Now, sometimes you go to McDonald's because it's convenient. But I'm talking about when you've got your sweetheart. I'm talking about when you've had a long week and you need a break. I'm talking about when you're going to make the first impression on that first date. I'm talking about whenever, whenever you, you just need a break from the world. How many of you have ever went to some place? Excellent. And you went there because you needed it. Now, how many of you ever went to that new restaurant? You gave it a while to be open. You gave them a while to get their feet on the ground. You gave them a while to learn what they're doing. Maybe you didn't, but maybe you did. And you say, they say, how was it? And you go, "It's all right. Now, I might, if somebody says to me, it was all right. I might try it. I might. Two or three people, four people don't, mm. Five, six, dozen. Say, everybody, "Mm." y'all with me? Are you going? No. No. Why am I asking you that? Because I want you to think in terms of your church. Excellence matters. Excellence matters. Excellence does not come accidentally ever nobody has ever accidentally been great am I going to have to go already going to have to come down there now I'm talking about it's a critical Sunday here lately all of them are critical (laughs) but it's a critical Sunday I have been, I want to just lay it out, I have been absolutely stressed out, worn out, at moments fed up with everything around Mag Church for the last month and particularly the last 10 days. I told you I'd be honest with you. Now, fed up doesn't mean give up. I I don't have much give up in me. And I don't have much backup in me. That's because I have set my face like a flint. Well, i just go ahead and tell you before we even get rolling. I have set my face like a flint because God will help me. And I have, I have made up my mind that we are going to press through, that we are going to break through, and we're going to do it the right way because God has called us, commissioned us, even as Ezekiel, to go into the house of Israel. He has called me and put me in this place for this time, and he never said it would be easy. He ne- in fact, it hasn't been from day one. I had my first traumatic experience with mag church before I even got back to Arkansas after being elected my first crisis and I'm not talking about a little one I'm talking about a real one I'm talking about a crisis that could have put our building project into bankruptcy literally before I even got home from my election Before I ever moved, I had a second crisis that came in the middle of the night when I came just to visit the construction team to see what we needed to do to press through for the summer that could have caused a board to fall apart, a pastor to tell them to... See you later, later, bye. That's good. (laughs) That's better than the words that were in my mind. Y'all, I don't have to go over the whole history. We, we, we went through to hell and back when we first got here. About the time we get it on track, Imelda us, sent us back to hell and back. Then about the time we got on our feet, COVID hit and sent us back. Our first services in this building were via live stream with a construction crew. People didn't even get to see it, the First services. Start a school. It'll be fun. Nobody's ever thought that. I may be crazy, but I'm not stupid. It was never my dream. People went to praying behind my back. I got to hurry. I remember waking up on early on a Monday morning with the Spirit of God dealing with me that, that it's time for Mag to start a school. And I said, get thee behind me, Satan. And I went and nervously told my wife when I was met with every tooth in her head smiling from ear to ear. I think, if I remember, it was hers and Brenda Cootie's fault that they had been praying about a school. We need to start a school. And Heather said, I'm not saying a word. If the Lord wants us to do that, he'll tell my husband. Now, by the way, that's an important point because that's how the flow of authority works in a church. That's scriptural. Good job. Except he told me. So we did. I mean, we went, did. We just did. 11, 12, what did we get up to? 14 the first year. Started with 11, got to 14. 11. Then we went to 23 the next year. Then we went to 41 this year. Is that right? Now, I'm telling you all this for a reason. I'm fixing to get into it. It The the school is coming on a fast race to the top. At the same time, the church is coming to a fast race to the top. And there's nothing harder to be, nothing harder to do than to pastor and and administrate a growing church at this stage. Nothing. One of the hardest jobs in the world. Look it up. You'll find out. And it was about to crush me. Is that all right to tell you that? Is that all right? I know what I've been asked to do. I know the biblical way to do it. I know that it wouldn't be easy. It's still not easy. And this week, I mean, I have, in my mind, I have told people off. I've had whole conversations. Y'all have done that. I've talked about it before. When I say this, they're going to say that. And when they say this, boom. <laughs> coup de grace, I'm going for the kill. Now, I know I'm not going to do that because it doesn't keep you in the pasture very long. But you can be strong. Are you still here? So while I'm saying laying all that, say we're just at a critical juncture And I've laid out some scripture because I want you to know that I have set my face like a flint, that we are going to press through, we're going to break through, and we're going to be everything that God has called Mag Church to be in this region. We're going to do it because it's the mandate. But he never said it would be easy, Brother Jackie. See, he said, I. he told Ezekiel, he said, "They're, they're headstrong, so I am making you headstrong. It was God who done it. He said, they have set their look against you, so I'm going to set your look against them. He said, I'm going to do it in you. He said, and I'm going to make, he said, uh, uh, Isaiah said of, the, of Jesus, I have set my face like a flint. But of Ezekiel, the Lord said to him, I'm going to make your face as harder than flint like the diamonds. The hardest substance known to earth. And he said, it's because you're going to need it. I began to complain to the Lord. Some of us call that praying. Now, I think there's a, there's a place for that. I find in the scripture where some people have done some complaining to the Lord. I, I don't find where he responded to it that much. But he let them do it. Hello? And he gave me the same familiar answer he's given me for 20 years. Man, I hate that. That God is consistent. Sometimes I want him to not be. Sometimes, Brother Jackie, I want him to change his mind and tell me something different. Sometimes I want him to give me a new path. But you know what? He knows the plans he has for you. And it's a good plan. So why change it? You know what he said to me and I didn't understand it because I'm talking about it it was like a Tupperware bowl. Y'all remember those? They still make those? I still have some. You ever tried to put a lid on a Tupperware bowl? You get one side down the other side pops up. You get the other side down and the other side pops up. So what you got to do is you got to burp it a little. Get the air out. I'm not going to elaborate on that. to get get the lid on that's how it's been frustrating what are we going to do god what am i going to do you're going to be shocked at what he said and I, i think he got i thought he got it wrong at first He took me aback for the 757,000th time to 2 Peter chapter 5. And he said to me, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And he will exalt you in due season. I thought, what are you talking about? I don't need humility right now. I need backbone and Grit. I don't think I'm shy on that. I've got it. Thought it's time to use it. I don't know if y'all know it but I'm just this is free. You know, sometimes you have to kill a fly with a hammer. Not really for the fly, but it's for the other flies that are watching. I'm waiting on all of you to get it. most of you I think it rolled across. I think you got it. Sometimes that's called for. sometimes not so much. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and I will exalt you in due season. And I began to think about everything that was going on in my life. because see I remember when he first told me that I was called to preach but had no platform. I knew I was called. Somewhere, somewhere in me all my life, somewhere, somewhere down deep, I've always known. But I'd come to the place where I'd, I'd quit wondering and I'd started knowing. And when I started knowing, I'd committed. And when I committed, I was ready to go. But there was nothing open. In fact, not only was there nothing open, it was mostly closed. And it seemed opposed even. And I would say, "God, it's not fair. God, what's wrong with me? God, why, why is this happening?" And he would say to me, "Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and I will exalt you in due season." And I would think, I hate that. Because see by this time, let not just be patient. By this time, I'd started a, a design career when I was young, 17, in fact, and quickly became excellent. Quickly. 17. By the time I was 20, I was working in one of the biggest, most prestigious shops in the state of Arkansas. By the time I was 24, I was the, I'd been the Arkansas Designer of the Year, the Mid-South Designer of the Year, the Southern 18 States Designer of the Year. I was on my way to be the National Designer of the Year when a stupid hurricane wiped out the convention. I'd won every major award in the state of Arkansas and, and in the Southern United States for floral design. I wouldn't, I'm not a garden clubber. I was, I'm a legitimate professional designer, top-notch, had an AIFD credential by the time I was 25 years old excellent I left it because I knew it was going to destroy my life and my family because I loved it more than I loved anything else and that came work and God began to deal with me that this is not your life so I walked away started all over in business done really well excelled until 9-11 then I didn't excel so much Nearly lost it. Nearly everything I had. Guess what? I had to start all over. Humbling, Matt. I had to start all over. Then I went to work for Dillard's, and, and, and you know, I, I started off as the general manager of the of Division West 4. That's a lie. I started off on the ladies' shoe floor, selling, commi- selling shoes on commission. But you know what I determined? Stay with me. I determined to be the best that I could be. I learned that women buy shoes because they want to, because they need to, because they have nothing else to do. I learned that, Aussie. I learned the people that other people avoided—they were crazy. Them little Apostolic United Pentecostal women would come in, and them people would run from them. And I thought, y'all are nuts. The only thing they got is pretty shoes and purses. I'm selling them some shoes. I'm not being ugly, it's true. I'm talking about when other people are doing dumb stuff, I'm like, no way, I'm cashing in on that. Eighteen months I was on salary. Another year they were I was fixing to move to general manager spot when my late wife got hurt. I'm talking about excellent. I'm talking about humble yourself. Now I'm home taking care of someone. Alone, mostly. Nobody knows where I'm at. Taking care of my wife. Humble yourself. The Lord starts dealing with me about now being the time to go into ministry. I thought, oh, some big church will call me and want me on staff. Because that's the kind of guy I am. I ain't kidding. Lord, I'll go in. Any- no. No, this was dumb. Lord, I'll go through any door you open. Presser called me one day and said, "Would you pastor Grayson Assembly?" I said, "No," because <laughs> you don't understand. Grayson's out in the middle of the Washington Mountains, literally half a mile from where the pavement ends. Has one room upstairs, one room downstairs, and one toilet, and it's five miles out on Jack Creek Road. First service there was nine people. Six of them were under twelve. One was me, one was my wife, and one was the man that brought the six people under (laughs) twelve. He says, Will you pastor that church? I said, No. I'll go preach for him, fill in, but I ain't no. And when I was like this, talking to the presbyter, no. Holy Spirit said, you told me and I mean that's all he got out and I thought "Mm." I said I'll go he said no well you know you had you told me no you can come out and see no I'll go humbling I don't know if y'all know that but when you've been a guy that's flew pretty high and done pretty well and To go, you got to go to district council, sectional council, and everybody says, where are you pastor? I say, Grace. Well, where's that at exactly? I never knew what was worse, the people that didn't know where it was or the people that did. Because the people that did would look at you like, I'm so sorry. Because they don't believe you're a real pastor. Because that's how... The ministry works. The ugly side. But it got better because I went to eastern Arkansas, and that's everybody's dream. No. Humble yourself. And we began to pray. Now, by the way, we filled Grayson up in the middle of nowhere with God's help. Went to eastern Arkansas. By the way, we filled Des Ark up in the middle of nowhere with God's help. And then we came here, and it didn't look like what we prayed for. Because we prayed, we prayed for a place that had no ceiling. Because see, everywhere we went, we filled it up, but we topped out. There was nobody else to draw off of. Both places. So we, we, we looked for a place with no ceiling, population where there's lots of people, and we prayed for a place with longevity. I believe the Lord asked us. I told you last year, He asked us to give this, give Mag at least 15 more years. That's what I planned. I've set my face like a flint. We asked for a place that, see, no ceiling, longevity, yes, and what else? A church that we could build that would look like heaven. Remember that? What's that mean? That means, because see, what I saw in heaven, I saw, it says, and I saw around the throne every kindred, every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. We prayed for a place where, where there could be a church built that didn't look like me when I looked in the mirror and every face I looked at. That, for, that there was people to draw from every walk of life, every nationality, every race. And here we are. And God began to bless through every obstacle. But now we find our... And, and can, I, can I go on? I promise I'm going to turn loose here in just a second. But new, about if you're new to Mag, none of you, are too, not too many, ever new enough to not to know that the twelve o'clock means absolutely nothing. Yeah. And you know you've probably noticed the doors that began to open. Schools growing, churches growing. Go to Africa a little. Here and there and do a little few things, go to Brazil, going to Brazil, doing a few things. That's opening the world. I'm talking about things that are, are, are privileged beyond description. They're not just paying to go on a missions trip and hang out with the missionary. I'm talking about being asked to go and to preach to thousands, tens of thousands. International television, just out of the blue. drop. I, I, do you know how many people are trying to get in those positions? Do you understand? I'm talking about people that would sell that would mortgage their home just to be on that program one time. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I begin to realize, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and I will exalt you in due season. So then we began to hit difficulty in the church, in the school, and youth, in the gym and I, almost every area were, we're up against the wall, and not completely unexpectedly. Frustrations rolling over my soul. Is this okay? This will help somebody, and it will help us. This is, about, this is about MAG today. Sometimes it's about the world. Sometimes it's about evangelism. Sometimes it's about uh, prophecy. But today is about MAG. what do I do? I just, I'm i talking about nearly stripping the gear. You ever been there? Somebody help me. Have you ever been there? And he says, humble yourself. I thought, I don't think I'm too caught up in the things I've been invited to do. I don't think I'm too headstrong over going to Brazil and being on SBN and meetings with big-name preachers that want to do big stuff in the future, meetings this week. That's happened. I thought, I, I don't even think we've talked about it. I'm not hung up in that. I thought, God, you've taken me the wrong direction. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And I will exalt you in due season. See, I was, Scott, I was under such pressure to find out, to figure out how to handle it. I was under such pressure to find out how to handle this situation and that situation. And are they going to walk off? Are they going to? Are they going to take their family? Are they going to? If they, if we do this here, is it going to affect everything over here? If they, it, that's real things. If, 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 if we correct it in the school, is are they going to leave the church? If we correct it in the church, are they going to leave the school? And all that stuff, and, and anybody in this cat would tell you, Brandon would tell you, board I think could tell you, that I've never been for sale, I've never been able to be bought, I'm not good under threat, if you threaten me, I'm going to bow up. If you, if you want to walk out the door, I've let. I've, there's been times at this church when three different people within a month that thought they would break us by walking out the door. They walked out and I told them, bye. I mean, I usually don't get too upset about these kind of things. But I'm telling you, I was at my wits' end and about to break. And the Lord says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and I will exalt you in due season. I thought, what's that got to do with it? He said, keep reading. Casting. All your care upon him, because he cares for you. Be sober. Be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions that were accomplished in your brothers that are in the world. But the God of all grace who has called us to eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after you have been suffered a little while, you will be perfect, established, strengthened, and will settle you. And I began to understand that the humbling myself wasn't about being asked to be on international television and don't let it go to my, my head. It wasn't about a church that won't grow because the church does grow. Don't let it go to your head. It was about none of those things, Heather. To humble yourself under the mighty hand of God was about having all the cares on your shoulders and thinking that you have the answer and that you're responsible with coming up with the solution and making it all work. That's a prideful position when you think you have, all the, have to come up with the answers and it all depends upon you to make it all work. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and He'll exalt you in due season. The exaltation comes with the humbling, and it comes when you cast your cares upon Him. Why would I do that? Because He cares for me, He cares for you. Church, He cares for you. My job is to lead with what, and to pray and to lead and to do what God asked me to do and to have a made-up mind and to know that I'm going to do it in excellence. But I don't have all the answers, Brother Jackie. But he does. And he says that if I'll cast it on him. And then he tells me what I'm going through. Be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He was trying to eat me, Scott. And I'd let down, I, was, I wasn't being sober, I wasn't paying attention. I was learning, because I, I, I'm telling you the sower, the, in the parable of the sower, that one of the ways that the seed was destroyed was when, the, was when the thorns and the thistles of life, it says they were choked out by the cares of life. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He'll exalt you in due season. Make up your mind. Can I describe this before we get winding up in just a second, what it means to have your mind made up, to set your face like a flint. There's some of you with your family, you need to get your face set like a flint. There's some of you with your spouse, with your kids, with your church, with your own life, need to make up your mind that you've got to set your face like a flint. Let me tell you, you say, what does that mean? That's not modern language. Let me describe it to you real quick, and then I've got one more thing, and then we'll close. To set my face like a flint. I, Bishop Wooden, I borrowed this from him because it was great. To set my face like a flint means to be courageous, to be firm and resolved. To accomplish certain things in spite of the scorn and the hatred that may be heaped upon you. When you set your face like a flint, you decide that come what may, no matter what, no excuses, even if it costs you your life, that you're going to do what you've been called to do. Set your face like a flint means you anticipate the pushback, you anticipate having to swim upstream. People who set their face like a flint are, not, are people who are not afraid. They are afraid. Because to have courage, fear must be present. For a person to be courageous, there must be some danger in what they're doing. You cannot be courageous where there's no risk. Or if there's no possibility that nothing could go wrong. Where there's no chance that you might be humiliated. There is no courage. When you set your face like a flint, you have to know somebody is going to oppose you. You know in advance that it might cost you friends or a promotion or your job or influence. Yet you decide to do it regardless. In the act of setting your face like a flint, you know that hatred is coming. And they're going, to, they're going to go after me online. That's a big thing anymore. But I'll do it anyway. I'm going to do it. Why? Because it's right. What happened to the notion in the church that you do things just because it's right? Most won't do it. Most will ask, what's in it for me? They will, ask, they will ask, what will I gain? Most will ask if it's safe. They will ask if it's advantageous. God's servants ask, is it right? If it's right, then the child of God moves forward undeterred. Building a biblical, scriptural church that's in order is right. Pursuing excellence is right. Can I describe excellence real quick? I wrote about it earlier this week. It says excellence is demanding, is a demanding process. I found that church people and and outside alike are uncomfortable with anything that makes a demand on them anymore. Now, I don't mean everybody, but but again, I'll say, if, if, if you're wondering if I'm talking to you, I probably am. Because I don't know what's in your heart, but you do. I know the Holy Spirit knows how to challenge everything in you, and he knows right where to do it. Excellence is a demanding process. Nothing excellent ever happens casually or by accident. Excellence neither excellence requires a clear vision and goals. It will never happen without clearly communicated expectation and follow through. Volunteer attitudes. How many know everybody in the church world? The biggest problem in the church world is a and in in the local church world is a volunteer attitude. We have people that do a lot of things around MAG with excellence. Do you know that? I could start naming some things, but as soon as I didn't name someone, they get their feelings hurt. Y'all know that there are things that are done excellent around here by volunteers. Because they're committed to it. And thank you, everyone. Volunteer attitudes will never produce excellence. Never has, never will little personal thing, I remember one of the first things I ever volunteered for in a church as an adult. The parking lot of the church where I attended was across the street, across the highway, in fact. Like, it would be here, it would be like crossing Highway 12 to the parking lot. The parking lot was across the highway, and we needed flashing signs put out before service. It was a pain to do it. Flat out, it was a pain. That was, that's them, them, like uh, the highway department uses, flashing, set up, pyramid, triangle signs with a flashing light on top. Needed two about a quarter mile up the road on each side that way and two about a quarter mile up the road on the highway that way. Every service. Sundays and Wednesdays. It was Arkansas, so it was either blazing hot or it was freezing cold. Rain, sleet, sweat, and grime. No, I didn't get paid. It just needed to be done. For over two years, no matter the conditions, I drove down to that church before I showered, before I got dressed. I put the signs out at least an hour before Sunday school. I waited until the parking lot was clear every Sunday night to put them away. I did the same on Wednesdays. No one one would have ever said a word if I had dropped the ball or stayed at home because it was nasty weather or I was tired or because someone's kid, but I did it because someone's kid might get run over by a car if I didn't. There was no room for I'm volunteering. They should just be happy that I do it when I can. Attitude. Nothing will ever rise to the level of excellent without commitment. And meeting some level of demand it takes to achieve the goals of excellence. Listen to me. Growing churches are excellent churches. Excellent churches are healthy churches. There is nothing easy about where we're at. We've largely grown on church people that were largely cultured in the ways of, of, of basics of coming to church. I mean, we've had to tell people, I mean, we have to every time we have a growth spurt, we have to say, listen, your kids can't run around and run, run pee every, every six times a service. You have to say that. Nobody likes it, but you have to say it. Because you have to maintain order. And, and, and the things of the like. But I want to tell you, we're, we have came to a place where, we're, where our commission and our call is to the region. And the commission to the region is to the lost. And the lost know nothing about the way we do church. The, the lost know nothing about what it is to, be, to, to know God or the things of God or how to behave. They know nothing. We cannot give up on people because they're difficult. We cannot give up on people because they're difficult. Church, we cannot give up on people because they're difficult. You were difficult at one point. You were lost at some point. And the the goal is is that people break through to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and they become a new creation in Him. We can't win everyone, and we won't keep everyone, that I, I, I will never stand before God that says that I didn't try. I will never stand before God that says that I, I wouldn't face my own people and say hard things because they might be offended. I am not going to stand before God and, say, and, 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 and hear people say, "I didn't know because I didn't want to address difficult issues. I, I don't give ultimatums from the pulpit. I, I, I've heard preachers say, if you don't like it, you can leave. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. But I, am to, but I will say if, if we don't have a heart for this region, a heart for the people of this region, and a, steel, and a, and a face that's set like a flint, a steeled resolve that we can make it through different difficult Sunday school classes, difficult services, that, we, that, that I can be cooperative with the, with the staff and with the pastor whenever we're trying to keep order. Nobody's attacking my baby. Nobody's attacking my wife. That everybody's working for everybody's good. And you know, there was a time when we all used to know that. And I'm going to tell you, I, I'm trying to rap, but there's some things that needs to be said. There is nothing, there is nothing that, that is cheaper, and there is nothing that is, that is more cowardly, and there is nothing that is lower than the soft bigotry of low expectations. When you expect nothing, you get nothing. Church, I'm talking about the, this gospel, this, this book elevates the human condition from the lowest of the low to the highest of the high, and we should not expect any less. That's not perfection, because I haven't attained it, have you? But that is not giving up at the first sign of adversity. And it's not being offended over every little thing that comes down the pike i got to tell you, I don't have time for it. I wrote a statement on Facebook. I've got it in my notes, and I want to say it right now. Because, and I want you to hear me and hear the heart of God and hear my heart. Don't you bring me anything. Don't you bring me a problem. Don't you bring me anything that you haven't or are not willing to pray about. I didn't, I didn't say don't bring me your problems. I didn't say you had to have the answer. I didn't say you had it prayed through before you got there. What I said is don't bring me your emotional things that you don't plan on doing anything about. Don't bring me your, don't, don't bring me your offenses when the Bible is right. What I'm saying is, is don't, don't come with rending your garments, throwing dust in the air, lighting your hair on fire when you haven't prayed about the situation or when you're not willing to pray it through. Because it will never have that. It, uh, this goes. Humble yourself. Are you hear me? That's what he's saying to me. Humble yourself. To think that you got the answer without ever consulting God is the highest form of pride. To think, it is literally what the Word of God says. I told you I'd get down to the preaching. It is literally what the Word of God says whenever he says. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know what the lusts of the flesh flesh are? The strong desires? Sometimes it's strong desire is to punch that kid in the face. So don't get all pious on me because you felt that way before too. And if you haven't, I'll, I'll introduce you to some that'll bring it out in you. But you don't because you have the fruit of the Spirit. Part of that is self control. Some people can't handle it. But let's make it that real, Matt. Then it it's the highest form of pride to think you have the answer or that I have the answer when nobody's asked God or have any intention of it. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He'll exalt you in due season, casting all your care upon Him. Why? Because He cares for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. That means guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your mind. Go back to what the Word of God says. He's not going to do it for you. It says you... Be sober. You be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion. You think that's, that's not right? We'll go back to Wednesday night. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, you let your requests be known to God. And and and, the, and then the peace, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. You see, it, it was up to you to... To, uh, to pray, to make supplication, to, to uh, be thankful and to bring it to God. And when it's then and only then that can you keep from losing your mind over the things that's coming against you, over the things you have no answer for, over the things that you've made up your mind, but you're wanting to quit and you're wanting to handle it in the flesh. And God says, humble yourself. I love the opening sign of that Charity Gale song. I sing it all the time. I'm going to remind you of it this morning that it says, I was a wretch. I was a wretch. I remember who I was. Brandon, you can come on. Church, we Church, while we're on it, we need some help. I need, I need your help, first of all, in prayer. We're having a prayer meeting at 5 o'clock, we're going to pray after church like we always do. But this church, will, my house shall be called a house of prayer. If we're going to be a powerful church. We'll have to be a praying church. We need altar workers. There's something that's going to be reintroduced, a novel idea at a Pentecostal church, is altar workers. It means prayer for the sick will come back to the services. But that means at the end of the service, when there, whenever there's salvation, whenever there's a need of healing, baptism and the Holy Ghost, that people are not coming up alone and that the pastor doesn't have to handle everything. We need altar workers. And altar workers means faithful. It means trained. It means willing to work the altars. Altar work is not, oh Lord bless them. da ba ba Is that how you got through? Or does somebody get down in your grill and say, what can I pray with you about? And what can, what, what, what can I get hold of? What can two or three agree on that's touching anything? And it's, we need altar workers. Amen. We need adults to supervise the gym before and after services. You say, that's no big deal. Well, I'll, I'll beg the differ. I'll put you in there and you see how quick you find out it's a big deal. By the way, it's a big deal because people come to this church because there's kids. People come to this church. We have families because we have families. And those kids flood in this place and anticipate getting here. And one of the reasons is, see, we want to do spiritual things. We're going to do spiritual things. But one of the reasons is that they hit that gym by the dozens. And they're going to kill each other if we don't put some supervision in it. And then your mama's gonna be upset, and then another mama's gonna be upset. And my baby couldn't have possibly done that. Well, most of the time when I go, see I can roll tape now. Most of the time when they say my baby couldn't have possibly done that, that's exactly whose baby done that. I mean it's almost without exception. It's 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 your baby. And guess what? They're just kids. So they knocked one of them's block off with the ball. Well, that's you they were trying. They just scored first. Bam! That's what we don't understand. Your baby's crying because they scored first. They clocked them. But if we have an adult, it's a critical role. You must be willing to, you, to do that role. You must be willing. Hey, faithful, you must engage students while keeping order and enforcing safety rules. Greeters. We got Dell and Becky. They need help. They may not even know they need help, but they do. We need greeters. and follow up with newcomers and visitors faithfully thank you for the job you're doing security team training we need more security team training will be provided chat's probably out there shouting in the foyer right now all we need for you to do is is to be faithful, be willing and have a, a concealed carry permit and a background check is required nursery workers always hey if you can do it once a month out there, in here, over there. If you'll be faithful to once a month, I'll find four other people that'll be faithful to once a month. But don't you call me if you say I'll be faithful, don't you call me at 10 to whatever. Here's a new one. We need a van driver or two and a riders, because you can't go nowhere without two. Not going anywhere without two. They can pick up and take home. We've got a few requests already, but if we make it available, there'll be more. By the way, you know, we, we've, we're t- we've had the point where we've, we've filled up as many as we can, I think, and then we've gone out and asked our friends to come, and now it's time to go out in the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. But I can't do that without help. All of these are critical areas for what we need help with. Summer new ministries, all are critical to MAG's growth. You don't think so. What has breakfast done for Sunday school? What has Wednesday night dinner done for Wednesday night? Y'all stand all over this place. You got a song ready for me? I'm supposed to? I can do it. Come here, Heather. Do we have lyrics? Do we know if we all pull together? How many? Come on. Instant, in season, out of season. Come on. I I started to say how many is of a certain age. You got that song for me? Yes. Y'all remember Children's Church? Old school Children's Church? They used to sing a song about if we all pull together. Y'all remember that? That. Now, I'll, I'll demonstrate. You remember that? You're fixing to learn. Then they're going to grab. Watch this. Go. If we all pull together, together, together. If we all pull together, how happy we'll be. For my our work is your work and our work is God's work. If we all pull together, How happy we'll be. Let's do it. Ready? Grab somebody's hand. You'll remember this day. You'll remember this day. Ready? Sing. If we all pull together, 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 if we all pull together, how happy. For your work is my work, and my work is God's work. If we all pull together, how happy we'll be. Amen. That's it. That's it. That's it. If we all pull together, you would be amazed what can get done. God operates in unity excellence with leadership and having a goal in mind and my only goal is to see hearts and lives one out of darkness into light that means for Mag- the, the teachers here at mad Christian Academy the number one goal before we teach re- reading or writing or anything else is ministry ministry Ministry. If, if we ever lose sight of what the goal is, we'll quit. And if, it, and, if it, and if it ever becomes a drag to the mothership, we're done. Because this ministry is what this land, this campus, this building, that's what we're here for. And ministry requires a made-up mind. i just ask you this morning at Mac, are you with us? are you with us Becky has her father thank you for helping us today Lord thank you for your spirit thank you for your guidance thank you for your words thank you for for uh, challenged hearts Lord now let us apply it to our lives and have a made-up mind and a backbone of steel then we're going to work together and get it done. Lord, and we thank you for it. Put it in your hands and give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If we all pull together.